Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. So great to have you here with us. Like I said, a very warm welcome. Uh, if you're joining us online, we'd love to see you. Yeah, well, we can't see you. That would be, if anyone ever watched online and been glad that no one can see you on the way back, yeah, that would be slightly unnerving. Ben, can I grab the pulpit? That would be incredible. Or us, I could just hold this for forever, um, but then my arm would get a little bit, it wouldn't actually get sore, it's not that heavy. But the, thank you so much, Izzy. No, you are amazing. Thank you. Uh, that is incredible. Hey, uh, I just want to share really briefly today. Uh, I really want to give space to, to those testimonies, and, and I want to give space to uh, a little bit of a response time at the end as we kind of mull over uh, maybe what God has done in the week, uh, or, or, or maybe even we, we, we missed out on kind of all a shout, and this is our, our first moment, and I still believe that God uh, is moving and that God is here with us. Is that all right? That's good. Just to, to limber yourself up, to be ready to hear the Word of God, uh, why don't you turn to your neighbor and say hello? You might be asking, how does that limber me up to hear the Word of God? It maybe doesn't. Uh, that was mainly just so I could look at my notes and remember what I was doing this morning, and I have reminded uh, myself. If you have your Bibles here with you, why don't you turn with me to Joshua chapter 3, uh, and I'm going to read verses 14 to 17. Uh, then we're going to pray, uh, and then we are going to get into it. There it is up behind me. It says this, So the people left their camp, to cross the Jordan. This is the people of Israel. They left their camp to cross the Jordan. That is a river, right? Not a person. That would be weird if they're walking across a person. They left their camp to cross the, the Jordan, and the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. It was harvest season, and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town named Adam, which is near Zarethan, and the water below that point flowed onto the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. Meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed as the people passed by. They waited there until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground. One more time, why don't you bow your heads with me and, uh, and let's pray. God, we thank you for, for these moments as we come together. Uh, that, that your word is, is true, God. And we pray today as, as we gather together, as we, as we intentionally lean in, as we create space to hear from you, as we, as we sit under the reading of Scripture, that, that you would be present. God, that today it wouldn't be um, my ideas, it wouldn't be my thoughts, but, but that you would speak into hearts and minds. That, that we would know today that, that we have had an encounter with a living God that you are not just an idea, that you are not just a set of beliefs, but, but that you are real and, and you are relational and you are here for us, that, that we would know that, that you are the God who causes the river to stop, that you are the God to whom impossible is nothing, God. And so today we pray as we, as we lean in, in all of our situations and all of our, our joy and hardship, that we would be a people who encounter you and who are better for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yeah, one more time. You say amen. It's good. It's good. Hey, so, so today really what I want to do is, is on the, the back of Shout Conference, I want to talk a, a, about an idea that I've, I've loosely titled Moments and, and Memorials. 
Yeah, because I think for, for some of us here today, maybe we were fortunate enough to be able to make it up to Shout Conference, and we're on the back, like, like we heard from the incredible ladies sharing those testimonies, on the back of a moment with God. We encountered God in a, in a significant way, and, and God moved powerfully in the room, or maybe you joined us at the offices throughout the week, and you were able to be a part of a corporate environment as we joined in together, or, or maybe you streamed in from home, and we had a moment with God. God did something incredible, and, and we want to hold on to that moment, yeah? I think so often our life can kind of be moments with God, and then they're quickly forgotten, and we go back to, to life as normal, and we have a moment with God, and it's, it's kind of like, uh, I don't know if anyone's ever done like one of those kind of corn mazes, yeah? I, in fact, I haven't actually seen a corn mazes like mazes of maize. Are they a big thing in the South Island? I'm going to say that is a resounding no, right? So let me explain this concept to you just for a moment. Uh, in, in the middle of the North Island, obviously we have far too much corn. Uh, and, and so what some people have taken to doing, or at least just one person on the highway that I would drive on my uh, family holiday every year growing up, it might not be that they're prevalent in the North Island. It might just be one that I drove past a lot. Anyway, there are these mazes of maize. Yeah? There's, there's a joke there that you can, corn, you can call corn maize, and, and a maize is called a maize. You see, what, you see it there? Yeah? Incredible, right? Very witty in the North Island. Uh, and, and so what would happen is you would pay someone for the privilege of getting lost in this maze uh, of maize. But because it's not like a real maze made out of wood or that kind of thing, some of the maize would grow really high and some of the maize would, would be quite short. And, and so some years the maize really wasn't that hard because you'd be walking along and you'd get to a patch where it just hadn't grown that high and you'd kind of see where you needed to go next. And you'd be like, okay, cool. So I can obviously see that that turns a dead end. So we'll turn left that way and you kind of make your way through. And I think sometimes life can feel a bit like that. We can feel lost. We can feel not quite sure where we're going. Then all of a sudden something happens and we get a glimpse and we go, oh, I think God, that's where you're taking me. But then we turn the corner and we're back in the maze and we're confused and we're lost again. And shout can kind of be those moments where we get a glimpse. We have these moments with God and then we go back to the rest of the life. And I want to say that maybe that's not the best way to live life. Living from kind of mountaintop moment to mountaintop moment. Now, not every week of our life can be like shout, yeah? Not every week of our life can be spent in this incredible encounter with God. But I want to say that there's somewhere in between in which we can have moments or maybe we, in which we interact with those moments differently that something changes for us. I also want to acknowledge that, that there are plenty of us in the room here today who, who didn't make it to shout. Yeah, who for whatever reason we didn't get up to Auckland this year, or, or, or maybe we didn't even make it along to the offices, or maybe, like I alluded to earlier, we didn't even make it to streaming in. In fact, maybe when I said, who had a great time at shout today, you guys were like, ah, oh, was, that, was that last week? I was intending to stream into some of that, but I, I guess I missed it. I want to say you haven't missed out entirely, right? The sessions are up on YouTube, and I'd encourage you to go back and, and have a look, but but some of us even online, right, you were intending to go to Shout this year. You had your tickets booked, your accommodation booked, even in the room. And then Tuesday morning or, you know, earlier in the week, along came some, some pesky double lines. You're like, oh, look, who can't go to Shout if they've got COVID? And, and, and your intentions and your plans were, were canceled not by any of, of thing that you did, but by a situation forced upon you. I want to say whatever our experience this week, I think it remains true that we all need moments with God, moments in which we are drawn closer to God, moments in which we are filled, moments in which we encourage, moments in which we, we reflect. The reason I say that we all need moments with God is because what I know for sure is we all have experiences like the Israelites. 
Yeah, and in verse 15 of that passage that I read, it says, it was harvest season and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. To provide some context to what's going on here, the Israelites are heading into promise. They're, they're moving from having been in slavery in Egypt to, to wandering around the desert for a generation to finally getting to move into the promised land, into the, the resounding story of who they are as a people, that we serve a God who is faithful, who's going to bring us out of our slavery, out of our bondage. They come out and they say, we serve a God who is faithful, who's going to bring us not just out of slavery, but into a place in which we can thrive, into a place in which we can belong into a place in which we can be secure into a place that not only will we be blessed but we can be a blessing to the world and and so they're searching they're walking they're looking for this promise and on their way to their promise as they get basically to the border of the promise they encounter a river I don't know if you can imagine how frustrating that would be to, to know that you're called to something, to know that what God has for you is just over there, just over the other side of that river, but it's harvest season and the river Jordan is in flood, right? It's uncrossable. You cannot get across it. When it floods, it floods like some of our good Cantabrian rivers flood, yeah? Like it's not the type of thing that you just be like, oh, I'm just gonna wade through that, it'll be fine. You step into the water and you are carried downstream, yeah? You go to the Dead Sea. Maybe you end up dead in the Dead Sea and you contribute to the deadness, right? Stepping out into that river is not an option. And can you imagine how frustrating it would be being on one side of the river, looking at what you had, and on the side of the river, you're, you're in an insecure place and, and the promise is just there. They encounter a, a barrier, a block. They encounter an impossible situation. See, probably for most of us, we're not having moments in which we're like, I really need to get to the other side of that river, and I'm stuck. What am I going to do? Yeah, but maybe all of us have moments in, in which we feel like we've encountered barriers or blocks, in, in, in which God feels far, in which the call that we feel can feel impossible, in which we can't seem to see a way to make it through. And so today I want to ask, what can we learn from the Israelites as they encounter an impossible moment crossing the Jordan River and flood. Is that all right? That's good. All right. If you're taking notes today, I've just got two points. We're keeping it simple. Uh, I've got two points today. The first lesson that I think that we can learn from how they crossed the River Jordan is that they did it together. If you're taking notes today, my first point is that we need community. When you turn to your neighbor and say, we need community. None of your neighbors are going to be convinced that you need community, right? Why don't you turn to your neighbor again and say it with a little bit more gusto, like maybe they are a person that matters to you, and say, we need community, yeah? This is good. I forgive you on behalf of your neighbor. You're like, I guess maybe you, I don't know. Can I have some different community? Uh, <laughs> if you have your Bibles, why don't you turn with me to, to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 to 25. You'll, you'll recognize this as a verse that, that we hear a bunch in church. It says this, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now the day of his return is drawing near. Right, We need community. You need some people in your life because while you need to follow Jesus for yourself, can I say that you cannot follow Jesus by yourself? Yeah, let, let me say that again just as it's kind of sinking in for those of you who are like, I don't know if I, I, I didn't want to tell my neighbor I need a community. I'm a lone wolf. Oh, right, like I got it. I am self-sufficient. Call me Chuck Norris, right? 
while, while we need to follow Jesus for ourselves, we cannot follow Jesus by ourselves. We are made for community. You need a community. The nation of Israel, they crossed the river Jordan together. Now, what I love about this story, something that, that you don't see immediately in the story, but, but that we find as we read the, the scriptures around it, is that even those who didn't need to cross, crossed. I'm thinking, what are you talking about? I thought they were going into the promised land. I thought that was the place that all of them were going. That's true. But actually, as they're traveling into the promised land, as they're traveling into their God-given destiny, some of the Israelites had actually already received their portion of the promise. Right, some of the Israelites, in fact, the half of the tribe of Manasseh and the tribes of Reuben and Gad had already received their grant of land on the east side of the Jordan. We see it's written about in Numbers 32. Because while the promised land was beautiful, the, this part of the land was these kind of open plains and, and they had a whole lot of flock and herds and they were like, this grass is bad for anyone else, but it's great for us with our herds. We want to stay on this side of the river. This is a good place for us to be. That's the side that the rest of the Israelites are already on. They're on the east side of, of the river Jordan. And, and so half the tribe of Manasseh and the tribe of Reuben and the tribe of Gad, they've got what they're looking for. They're in their promise. They've got what they were hoping for, and they could have stayed in the comfort. They could have stayed in, in convenience. I'm sure they had a whole bunch of stuff to do. They're like, we need to build some houses. We need to build some fences. We need to dig some wells. We need to establish ourselves in the territory that's been given to us. But instead of camping in the place of, of their promise, of their home, of their security, they moved out. They kept on going because if everyone hadn't got the promise, then they weren't comfortable. They weren't satisfied. They weren't camping and just them getting what they needed. They recognized if we all don't have the promise, then none of us have a promise. And so they moved out of their comfort to help their family inherit their promise. We see Joshua in, in Joshua chapter 2 commend them for it, thank them for it, say, hey, we've established ourselves in this land now, right? We're, we're reading in like, chapter 3 right now, chapter 4, you, and, and so you see it's, it's a long time later that actually they finish the, the task that they've embraced, and so they move out from their comfort, from their home, from their promise to help their family inherit their promise. They didn't need to cross over. They, they didn't need to try and cross this river and flood, but they did for their community. See, we need community, and I wonder what this looks like in application for us. Maybe when we think of community, do, do we think of just, oh, yeah, I need some people around me to encourage me. I need some people around me to, to lift me up. I need some people around me to cross the river with me. That's fantastic. We want to be a group of people who cross rivers with you, who, who encounter with you your impossible situations, who have faith with you in those moments. But we also want to be a group of people who, when we have crossed over our river, when we have entered into our promise, when our life is going well, we then don't be like, oh, cool, well, look, church has served its purpose for me. I've got what I need. I'm living in a place of comfort. I'm living in a place of promise. I'm all good. I'm just going to camp back here. What would it look like if, if the, like the half the tribe of Manasseh, the tribe of Reuben and the tribe of Gad, we kept on going for other people's promise? that we were a community who were involved in taking ground for, for other people who, who realized that there are people in the community who need me. What would it look like if we realized I'm, I'm needed? When I don't go to e-group, others miss out. Right? What would it look like if we, if we realized when I'm not here on Sunday, it's not the same without me? 
Maybe even today, you're not even joining us live online. You're catching up in the week and you didn't make it on Sunday. And I want to say to you, there's no condemnation, right? I don't want to make you feel guilty, but I do want you to know that there is a seat here in which you were missed, right? If you have COVID, please stay away. That's fantastic. But also, there comes a point at, at which we haven't gotten used to meetings together. There are habits which have been broken in which we need to reform, in which we need to put down convenience and say, actually, it's not convenient for me for to, to come to church today. It's not a comfortable thing for me to be in community today. It would be much easier to stay at home and to stream in or to catch up during the week. I can catch the message. They're, they're doing all these incredible things with technology now. I want to say that's fine. But when you're not in the room, you're missed. That church is not just about our comfort and our convenience, but is about how can we be a part of a community that other people need us to be. That maybe it's not just about me finding my promise, but I have the opportunity, the, the blessing, the honor, and the privilege to get to be a part of other people finding theirs. That we need community, but not just to meet our needs, but because we get to be a part of joining others and walking into their promise. You know, I think it's interesting. I've, I talked a bit in kind of the, the lead up to shout about the, the biblical rhythms of, of feasts and festivals. Anyone remember me mentioning that a few times? Yeah? It's good. Hopefully you do. Uh, and one of the most important uh, feasts in the Torah in the Old Testament is, is the festival of, of booths. It's an interesting name, eh? It's like, was that like a, was it a farmer's market? And you go along and everyone's like, hey, would you like to try some artisanal Norwegian sausage? Like, come through here. Would you like a, a nice pasty? Or I've got some homebrewed kombucha. Don't mind the floaty bits. It's good for you. Like, what is the festival of, of booths? Is it like the, everyone's got some wares and they bring them along? And they, no, no, no. See, it's, it's something different. We read in Leviticus chapter 23, verse 41 to 43, the instruction for, for observing the festival of feasts. We all know. We, who loves Leviticus? Yeah, it's our favorite book in the Bible, packed with goodness. Uh, but turn with me uh, to Leviticus 23, and it says this. You must observe this festival to the Lord for seven days every year. This is a permanent law for you, and it must be observed in the appointed month from generation to generation. For seven days, you must live outside in little shelters. All native-born Israelites must live in shelters. This will remind each new generation of Israelites that I made their ancestors live in shelters when I rescued them from the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. See, what happened in, in, in Jewish society is once a year, everyone made a pilgrimage to Jerusalem and they camped there for a week. And the reason that they did it, as we read, is to remember to remember we were brought out of slavery by God, to remember we walked into promise with God, and to remember we did it together. We, we might be a people living spread out throughout the promised land. We might be living on the east of the Jordan and on the west. We might have territory covering a, a vast a swath of land, but we are one people. We are tribes, but we are united as a nation of people. We are not separate nation states, but something binds us together. We are distinct in our expression and our individuality. We have our own cultures, but when we come together, we recognize that there is something special in our unity. This is why we have moments like shout. Right? It's a moment for, for some of us to remember, to take stock, to reflect on God's faithfulness. To remind ourselves we're a part of a church community locally, nationally, and internationally. To ask ourselves, if I'm living in my promise, how can I be a part of helping others to move into their promise? 
to put ourselves in environments like the, the Social Action Elective, in, in which Rukumwana Schaffhausen, who, who is a dame, right? Like we've got some incredible people in our movement who is leading uh, incredible things throughout the nation, can stand there and can talk to us about the whakapapa of change can say, hey, this is how I'm leading change in my local community, with my people, with my iwi. How can you lead change in which we can meet other people doing incredible things that we can continue to be God's hands and His feet? Right, in which we can be in, in sessions where we have people like Jordan Smith and Dr. Dougal Sutherland talk to us about, about mental health. Talk to us about, hey, look, there is a, a pandemic of anxiety throughout the world at the moment. What are some practical scripture-based tips? What are some things that we can do? Again, not just for ourselves, but, but when we encounter friends and families, Dougal talked about the fact that one in two of us are going to encounter some sort of mental health difficulties in our lifetime. Right, that we need some skills, we need some, some things that, that we can have in our toolbox to help, if not us, then those who are near and dear to us, that we would continue to, to be God's hands and feet, that we can come together to remember, but also for some of us, it's a moment to step into, into breakthrough. You're like we heard a moment in which we can place ourselves in an environment in which multiple times a day, day after day, we intentionally sit under Scripture which we engage in worship. That's a, that's a powerful practice in which we create space for God. We eliminate distractions. And so be it a gathering to remember or a gathering for breakthrough, there's something special about doing it together. A second lesson that I think we can learn from how they crossed the River Jordan is what they did on the, the other side of the river. If we continue reading in, in, in chapter four, I'm gonna read verses one to three and then six to eight. It, it says this. When all the people had crossed the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Now choose twelve men, one from each tribe. Tell them, take twelve stones from the very place where the priests are standing in the middle of the Jordan, so from the riverbed that is currently dry. Carry them out and pile them up at a place where you will camp tonight. In the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them they remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. So the men of Israel, oh, so the men did as Joshua had commanded them. They took twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan River, one for each tribe, just as the Lord had told Joshua. They carried them to the place where they camped for the night, and they constructed a memorial there. See, see my first point was that we need community. Right there, while we follow Jesus for ourselves, we cannot follow Jesus by ourselves. And there are moments in which it's important that we, we come together to cross over together. If you're taking notes, my second point is we need memorials. Yeah, but because what happens here is they cross over together and God says, now make a memorial, stack 12 stones to remind you of what happened here. You might think, well, why did, why did God have Joshua construct a memorial? It might be like, Johnny, you literally just said, right? To remind you of what God did here. And that's true. But the reason God wants to remind them is because God knew what awaited his people in the promised land. If you were sharp, you would have, you would have seen that, that when we read in the, the, first, uh, the first reading, it says that they crossed over near the town of Jericho. If you know your Bibles, you know what Jericho means, what Jericho represents, that, that when they cross over into the promised land, it's not all done. It's, it's not easy living from there on out, but they, they cross over into opposition. They cross over into, into encounters, into battles that they would have to fight. And in fact, Jericho is the first recorded battle in the promised land. 
Right? And, and, and so the people of Israel, they cross over this river and flood. God does a miracle. They build a memorial to remind themselves of it. And then they get to the town of, of Jericho. And, and Jericho is a fortified position. Unlike other places in the promised land, which is kind of like the Israelites have been living in, just a collection of tents or, or that kind of thing, it's well established. It's surrounded by walls. And in those day and age, basically, if you had walls, you won. Right? Like no one can get through the wall. Catapults, battering rams, they weren't really a thing. As far as I've read in my biblical studies, I have not seen like a divinely inspired catapult or trebuchet so far. If anyone wants to let me know about it, I'd be very interested. But instead, basically, the military might you had was foot soldiers, and if you're fortunate, some sort of mounted cavalry, both of which do nothing against someone who is standing on top of a very tall wall and throwing things at you. Can we agree, yeah? And so they encounter the very first battle in the promised land is once again an impossible situation. People of Jerusalem must be like, people of, uh, of, of Israel must be like, man, this is hard going, right? We want to go into promise. First thing we encounter is a river. Is the river how it normally is? Nice and placid, easy to go across? No, of course not. It's flooded, right? So we cross the flooded river. Then we, we come across, and I feel like I'm reading, we're going on a bear hunt, right? That book is ingrained in my mind, right? We can't go over it. We can't go under it. We've got to go through it, right? And again, they come to, to the town of, of Jericho, and they're like, oh, it's not like an easy town, able to be overrun. No, it's a fortified one, of course, right? The wall is too high. We cannot go. That's right. Come on. It's too, I don't know, low, I guess. It's, again, it's not in the Bible, but go with me. So we cannot go. You can't go around it because it's a circle, right? So what are they got to do? They've got to go. There we go, right? You can read Ollie Bedtime Stories whenever you want. It's my son, by the way, in case you're like, who am I reading Bedtime Stories to? He's four. Um, so it's appropriate. Uh, and so they encounter this moment, an impossible situation again. And I can imagine, you know, there they are, and, and God tells them, hey, I've got a plan to get into the city. What you need to do is you need to march around the city for seven days. And on the seventh day that you've been marching around the city, blow horns, blow trumpets, and the walls are just simply going to fall down, and you can go straight on it. And I wonder if maybe on like the... The third or the fourth day, I'm being generous to the people of Israel. If it was me, it would have been like halfway into the first day as my feet started to get sore. Like, is this a good idea? Like, what are we doing? How is walking? Why seven times? Can we just blow the trumpets now? Like, what are we doing? Why do we have to do this? What is God going to do? What happens if we just walk around the city seven times, get ourselves all tired, and then we get killed by arrows and boulders? Has God thought about that? Like, what is going on in this moment? But maybe as they're walking around, as they're murmuring to each other, as they're wondering, as they're setting up their tents at night and talking about, man, what is God doing in this situation? Someone goes, but remember the Jordan." Hey, actually, we can look off. Do you see that stack of stones on the horizon? Do you see that memorial that we built? One, one stone for every one of our tribes. The, the Jordan seemed impossible, but God did something there. God is a God who impossible is nothing. And so we crossed over the river in flood. And so if God can make a river stop, why would God not be able to make a wall fall? If God was faithful then, then maybe he'll be faithful now. See, I want to suggest that we need memorials in our faith. That's why I love taking the time to share testimonies of, of what God's doing in our life. We can see other people's memorials and we can be encouraged, but we also need memorials of our own. We need monuments to what God has done. 
So I wonder, when you tell yourself the, the story of you, what are your memorials? What are your moments that you look back on? Because your story to yourself is powerful. I'm almost done just as I get the, the band back up. I, I came across a, a parenting hack a while back, which feels a little bit like cheating. Any parents in the room would like me to share a parenting hack, yeah? Or you're like, no, nah, I've got this down. I've got it clocked. It's, I can skip over that bit in my notes. Anyone would like a parenting hack, yeah? Equipping you for life through faith in Jesus Christ and things I found on TikTok, right? So, uh, I mean, things I found in academically reviewed journals. No, it's not true. It was TikTok. Uh, have you ever... And this is a rhetorical question, but uh, I think I know the answer. Have you ever struggled to get your kid to do something? No, no, Jono. My children do everything that I ask them to. Right, like, for, for example, have you ever struggled to get your child to do something like, like eat broccoli? Like one of those, or like go to bed, or brush their teeth, or uh, get up in the morning, or clean up their toys. Sorry, I, it was a moment. I was just uh, thinking of all the things, right? And in fact, there's kind of this moment, and, and probably a dumb question. The, the question is really, have you ever not struggled to get your kid to do something, right? And then have you ever had that moment in which they finally do the thing? You've been trying to convince them that broccoli doesn't taste like the worst thing on earth. It's like the second worst thing on earth, but we've cooked it with a whole lot of salt and, and oil, and we've fried it, and now it's incredibly unhealthy, but it tastes a lot better. So you'll enjoy it now. Right? And, and, and finally, there's this moment in which they finally do the thing that you've been trying to get them to do. They, they go to school or they brush their teeth or, or whatever it might be. And, and lo and behold, they actually like it. It wasn't the end of the world. There's, things did not cease to exist. The sky did not fall. They actually they had a good time. They, they liked the broccoli. They loved school, whatever it is. But you know they're going to forget. Yeah, you know the next time it comes to it, the next time we have broccoli, they're going to say, I don't like broccoli. You say, no, no, you do. You do. Last time you ate it, you, you loved it. You enjoyed it. Do you remember? And they're like, no, I didn't. You are lying to me, Father, right? Do not deceive me. Like, how could I like this thing? Look, it's green. No, impossible. I want chicken nuggets, right? In this moment, and you're like, no, I know you did. I remember. I remember. You've just forgotten. The, the parenting hack is if you make a video of them after they've enjoyed the, the broccoli, getting them to tell future them, hey, look, you like broccoli. You should eat it. It's delicious. Trust me, I'm you. It'll be fantastic. And it, you show it to them the next time. Again, nothing's got a 100% batting rate with kids because who understands kids? Their minds are a mystery. But it's much more likely when you show them that video that they'll be like, wait a second. It's very easy to argue with you, but that's me. And I agree with me. I'm always right. And here I am telling myself that I don't like broccoli, but there I am telling myself that I do like broccoli. Now I have a conundrum. I have a problem. That the stories that we tell ourselves are powerful. See, it's one thing to have someone else say to you, no, this will be good for you. This is something that will benefit your life. This is something that, that, that is good. This is something that God has done. This is a place that you are. This is a win. This is a moment in your life. But it's another thing when we build memorials for ourselves that we can look back on and, and, and see in our own voice, in our own hand, however we might re retell it to ourselves. No, God has been good. God has been faithful. There was a moment, at the, the last night of Shout, they brought back out some of the classic old school Equippers songs. It was, for those of you who were there or streaming in, it was a beautiful moment, one of which was, was This Is A Revolution. Who remembers that song? Yeah, it's a golden oldie. It's good, it's good. And in a moment, in the song, I was taken back to over a decade ago at Shout, not at the Spark Arena. We were much smaller back then, right? It's grown as more people have wanted to come. We've been like, this is a family gathering. We'll make room in the room. As many as want to come, we want to be there. 
but, but I was thinking back to, to this moment at, at Shout over a decade ago, singing the lyrics to the bridge, which simply say, here I am, send me, I'll go. And, and this moment of realizing that for me, those words needed to be more than words. That I couldn't just keep on singing to God, here I am, send me, I'll go. If I wasn't actually willing to go where He'd send me, actually willing to do what, what He told me to do. And it was a moment for me. I can remember it as clear as day. And I built a memorial there and I said, I'm making a decision in this moment to be a person that is bold enough to go where God calls me. I want to build a memorial that these are not just words that I'm singing, but this is a heart attitude that I want to be a person who lives a life defined by the idea of here I am, send me, I'll go. I want to say, you know, I can't say with utter certainty, but I'm pretty dang sure that without that memorial, without that moment of encounter with God, but not just the moment, the telling myself the story, the reflecting on it, the journaling about it, I would not be standing here today. If there had not been a moment in my life in which I'd said, God, I want to be the type of person who goes where you tell me to go, who does scary things, who steps out on a maybe and a what if, then when, you know, two and a half, three years ago, Pastor Sam gave me the call and said, hey, we have an incredible bunch of people, an amazing church in Christchurch, and we would love for you to consider moving from Wellington to Christchurch to be a part of what God is doing in Ototahi. If there had not been that moment, I would have been like, yeah, that's cool, but I never said, here I am. I never said, send me, I'll go. Like, that sounds like an incredible adventure, but it also sounds quite scary. No, thank you. I'm quite comfortable in Wellington. Goodbye. Right, to, to live a life of faith, we need not just moments, but memorials. Moments to remember the moments. All, all this to, to say, if in the last week for you, God has moved. If in the last week you were drawn closer to Him, you were reminded of how much He loved you, if, if dreams were birthed, can I encourage you to create a memorial? In fact, not even in the last week, if in the last six months, if you can remember a moment in which God has, has moved, but maybe it's starting to fade from your memory, create a memorial. Yeah, journal about it. Write yourself a note. Set a calendar reminder for three months from now just to reflect on what God has done. Hey, God's saying this to me, I think, at the moment. Hey, God's, God's moving in my life in this sort of way. Hey, I'm finding this really, really hard right now. But maybe in three months' time, God will have done something because sometimes things change gradually and we don't realize it. And if you set a reminder, you're like, life is currently dumb, right? You write that down. That doesn't feel like a faith statement. <laughs> life is currently dumb, but hopefully God will do something about it. There you go, it's a faith statement now. And then in three months' time, it pops back up. Maybe life's still dumb. You're like, okay, God, let's sit it for another three months. But maybe it comes up and you're like, hey, life's a little bit less dumb. Maybe God's been doing something. Maybe God has been working on my behalf, but we would never remember, we would never know if we didn't create a memorial, if we didn't do something that the moment wouldn't just fade and we forget God's faithfulness. Church, I'm, I'm done, but I wanna leave us with, with this encouragement. If, if you weren't able to engage in any of shout this year, can I encourage you to do something different next year? Maybe it's as simple as just not catching COVID. Again, that's not actually, you know, that's not a thing that you did. So I don't think you can plan to not do that next year. But shy of global pandemics, there are things that we can do. There are decisions that, that we can make that are in our control that can put us in a position in which we can encounter God in a fresh and a new way. Like Deanna said, maybe you don't feel like going, but maybe it's a faith step of saying, God, I'm gonna create space for you. If it's possible for you, I wanna suggest it is for the majority of us. Put yourself in a position to be in the room next year. 
Can I even suggest, in fact, don't wait, but oh yeah, I'll buy a ticket later on. Make a good decision for future you now. Tickets are $99. If cost is an objective, church will pay for you, yeah? Like we don't want anyone to be able to not go because they can't get there. If we can help you get there, we wanna help you get there. But can I suggest before the end of today, buy a ticket. Right, worst case scenario, you decide you can't go, you don't wanna go, you give the ticket to someone else and you bless them. Would that be the worst thing in the world? Right, but could we make a decision that we are a people who, who wanna intentionally create space because it's so easy in the midst of life to feel too busy, to feel too tired, and I get that. But can I suggest if you are thirsty, don't avoid water. If life is hard, maybe the last thing that we need to do is to pull back from God. Maybe it would take pushing in and we can so often go against our best interests. Because if God is truly God, then taking one week out of 52 a year to, to intentionally seek Him, to create space for Him to move, to, to build something in us session after session, I wanna suggest maybe that's the wisest thing you can do. Again, you don't have to. You'll be a loved part of this community whether you go or don't, but, but if we are doing our best to lead you, to equip you for life, then we would be failing you if we did not make a strong case that coming together intentionally seeking God and community, creating space for Him to speak, having moments of encounter and building memorials to remind ourselves that God is faithful is an important part of our life. Which brings us to here and now. I'm done, maybe stand to your feet. If you close your eyes, take a moment for it to be you and God. In a moment, the, the band's gonna lead us in a song. And whatever decision we make, whatever circumstance we find ourselves in in the last week, whether we made it to Auckland, popped into the offices, got stuck at home with COVID, totally didn't even realize shout was this week or, or somewhere in between all of those. I wanna remind you that God is good, that He's faithful to meet us where we are. And so as the team lead us in worship, I wanna encourage you, would you reach out to Him? I wanna encourage you to, to make a plan for next year, to take a moment to, to wait on God. We need community. We need everyday community and we need intentional moments of community in which we come together. And we need memorials, moments of encounter with God that we can look back on that build the story of us. But we don't have to wait until next year for God to move. Like Aaron said, there's something special about shout, but the same God is here today. The same God is present. And so if you're here and you're kicking yourself, you haven't missed out. God's still here. God is still faithful. If you're here and you're at Shout and you're like, man, I went wanting something to happen and I don't know that it did. Come on, God is still here. God's not a vending machine. That doesn't necessarily mean He's gonna spit out the cookie that you want in the moment that you want it. But, but we still come to Him. He is still faithful. He is still good. His hands are raised. His hearts are open. God, we thank You as we worship You. You are present. God, that You're always present. You're always with us, but in this moment, we stop and we choose to make ourselves aware of you. God, as we enter in, as we draw close to you, we thank you that you draw close to us. God, whatever we need today, however we need to encounter you, be it your peace, your hope, your joy, your healing, whatever it might be, would you meet us here today? Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch.